Hello world, it's your boy Pat, coming back at you with the next episode of the Hollow Down podcast series. Today we are bringing up episode number 10. Episode number 10. This one is titled The Great Resignation. We will explore and explain that title in a couple different ways today. It's uh, very much a play on the Great Depression. It does have that similar style of conversation to it. So if that's where your mind went, we're going to catch on just fine. So we are getting the cigar ready today on a uh, nice crisp and chill afternoon. So uh, I'll tell you just a minute what we're smoking today. Something uh, a little bit different. But we will talk about that here in just a moment. So as we get into December, get into the holiday times and start talking about finances and money and purchases and goods and all kinds of things that we tend to talk about when holiday season is upon us. I feel like it's a good time to break open the conversation that leads into today's title of the Great Resignation. And I'm pretty sure you will understand that title pretty soon. Now, I did not come up with that moniker. Um, that's an economist that did that. But uh, definitely makes sense. But talk about that in just a moment. Get the cigar lit. We'll talk about it start making some moves all right so today's cigar experience is a little different on two fronts so we are smoking today a cigar called nitro it's by Thompson cigar company I will preface by saying this that is far to my knowledge, and I updated this with a quick search today online. I do believe this cigar is still discontinued. Um, it stopped being produced a couple years ago to my knowledge, but still had uh, two of these in the humidor, still in um, good condition, able to smoke. So we went ahead and pulled it out today because won't be able to stretch it out too much longer and it'll start start cracking and drying on me but they uh at the time they were a really budget friendly stick about two dollars a piece so not a high dollar name brand or anything like that but very good on the wallet um, from a store company Thompson is 
uh, not my only or primary source of cigar purchases I will be blunt with that but it is one that I have purchased from in the past um, and this was one that they did in-house with their their productions it is a Java infused cigar nothing unheard of nothing uncommon there um, pretty much um, built off of Havana's uh, Havana seed uh, tobacco they're basically just infusing some exotic oils and various essences to give it a mild to medium Java flavor very subtle uh, subtle infusion it's not overbearing it's not strong but does have a good flavor to it and uh, they did a good job on the physical production and wrapping of this cigar it's got a pretty good tall end cap on it which something I appreciate especially as you compare certain cigars that do not have a good end cap just difficult to keep the end from unraveling as it gets hotter and you move down the line so let's uh, move on to today's topics and why the episode is titled the great resignation now this topic has come up in various points but I learned about the naming of this movement if you will from the week uh, news outlet magazine um, first place I learned about where it was actually coined as a term and it's referring to the time period we're in right now and things we are experiencing primarily discussing the fact that like any plague that has come across the history of mankind whether you know that's going to be a um, massive tsunami or other weather related disaster uh, smallpox uh, the Spanish flu when the AIDS became a massive endeavor the bubonic plague all these have created places and times in our history that have introduced massive changes to the way that we live and the way that we operate our lives on a daily basis certain certain issues have had different ways of changing um, certain plagues and, and sicknesses completely devastated uh, native peoples in the Americas gave way for Europeans to really colonize the area um, with little kickback and we're now seeing just the first introduction of ideas and uh, effects to how COVID-19 is going to remold um, our culture, our society, think the way we do things. And you've already seen uh, meetings change and interviews change um, by the use of Zoom and Skype and other online meeting formats. You've got what was a, a new thing, your curbside pickup, some of your major retailers like Walmart and 
and, and stuff like that has now become a very acceptable routine for many places including fast food um, we've gone to um, more of a contactless environment in many cases it's impossible to become a hundred percent contactless but things have changed things have modified but the big thing that we are seeing especially this summer 2021 is just in the summer alone uh, roughly 12 million 12 million if I can speak correctly today 12 million Americans have quit their jobs in the last three months alone of the summer it doesn't tell me the exact date so um, it says the last three months of the summer so that's what we're gonna stick with to be as correct as possible <clears throat> But it's, uh, it's obviously become a accepted practice lately. And there's all kinds of reasons for that that we will discuss here in a few minutes in more detail. But it makes you stop and think. This great resignation um, may end up being the name for this era that is coined in the history books. We will see. But what will future changes actually be? Whether we're talking about business or retail, e-commerce, distribution. Obviously, there's going to be more changes that are inevitable as time goes along. Um, but you've got to realize that it's not just the fact of people leaving jobs. People need money to continue lifestyles so all those people that have quit they're gonna have to figure out a plan B they're gonna have to figure out something else to do something else to come up with income and if employers are gonna be forced to change the way that they look at their employees to keep them and retain them for various reasons that may be one surprise positive to you know this this COVID ordeal that we're dealing with you know obviously it's gonna leave some sort of legacy could be related to that now like I said we will discuss details of the great resignation a little bit more here in just a few minutes but I want to segue for a moment into why it matters why does the culture and the business practices and the overall scenarios that we have to deal with as far as cultural changes, why do they matter? Now, part of this is um, economics and politics cross lines just as our business practices and climate change and spending bills and a lot of legislature involved in this to keep our our culture and our way of life going um, as much as many of us tend to hate politics sometimes unfortunately it's uh, an intertwined matter and very recently and you may or may not have heard about this by the time you listen to this podcast, but 
very recently the uh, now that I'm speaking here I, I can't think of what they called the conference but uh, basically a global summit that happened in Scotland talking about various climate control and different policies and expectations and pledges that different world leaders met and made on behalf of their countries and on one hand uh, for the American purpose President Biden told global leaders um, this is a partial quote here that global warming is no longer hypothetical it is destroying people's lives I tell the American people that climate control is about jobs so now we have come back and brought these two sides together on a global format. Obviously he's clearly admitting that global warming push is at least to a degree political. Um, I mean, I realize that's what he's saying here, but I mean, it's pretty much what he said. Um, goes on to explain the economic interest of every nation is said climate control action. Um, of course, he, he went on further to explain how uh, the U.S. would be making changes and pledges and funding, and we're not going to really get into that today. That's another whole rabbit hole we would go down on. But previous to this, and this is why it's interesting, because even if you hate politics and you don't have to like this part of the discussion... But it's something to know that's going on, even if you don't care to keep up with the intricacies of the politics. And to be honest with you, I really don't myself. I, I pull the things out that I think could affect us in a way. And the reason this is a deal, and the reason this gets tied in with this Great Resignation era, is because clearly... The COVID stall just didn't last long. Politics are already getting back to blaming certain political failures on climate change. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm not going to go into science tangent because I'm not a scientist, but it's just hard to believe how in such a very short period of time, these little microorganisms we call human beings have made such a massive effect on the world. and not saying we don't not naive enough to say we're not making an impact we're we obviously do but um, it just intrigues me how we are one nation out of an entire world and somehow we get people on the bandwagon of freaking out that our one little country is responsible for the entire world's situation on climate control I don't understand it but the downside of that is whether you agree with it or not is irrelevant at this point. I'm, I'm not trying to make you as a listener take a stand here. That's not the purpose of this, but it's to make you realize that, hey, this is a thing. It is something that is discussed. It's something that's mattered. And whether you agree with it or not, whether these things become bills that are passed or not, these conversations change and alter the way business and daily life ends up being run because of legislative changes that come down the pipeline. Now, before this summit, um, I believe in October, 
Could be wrong on that, but recently before the summit. President Biden actually expressed optimism for an upcoming New Deal that would run between $1.75 and $2 trillion. It was actually a shrunken down bill from the initial paperwork. A uh, massive package. We called it the Build Back Better. Uh, included things like paid family and medical leave, universal pre-K, child and elder care, free community college, and billions to forcing a shift in energy um, from producers away from coal, natural gas, into more renewable energy sources. Now, most likely because of the funding, um, the plan to offer years of community college is likely to be dropped. Um, especially because they're trying to find a way to finance this package without tax increases, which is something I can't understand how anybody thinks is ever going to work. It's part of the reason our country is in such the spending spiral it is now. We give money, give money, give money, and then freak out when we got to earn it back. It's, it's a mess. It doesn't matter which way you stand on that either. That's just a fact. Um, so it boggles my mind how... Some of these people think um, nothing is free. Uh, it's free to you, it's not free to someone else. But included in this plan was a $150, sorry, $150 billion program to reward power plants to move towards renewable energy, but then penalizing those that don't. Uh, pretty much gonna have to cut that. Um, our, our abilities are just not there. Um, as nice as it is to work towards renewable energy, um, whether that be solar, wind, water, whatever. We're just not there yet. We have been so dependent on natural resources as far as fossil fuel production, uh, just where our electric grid is at, so we're not quite there yet. But the interesting part of this, as this whole endeavor to understand climate control bills and, and whatever without getting too technical um, it changes the way people do things it changes perceptions so I'm being vague here because most people listening are not going to necessarily care about the specifics of these bills they are Google is a friendly device you can go look at it and spend hours looking into all this stuff that we don't have time in this podcast conversation to accomplish However, a new journal poll by Gallup asked people whether the government should do more or less to solve the nation's problems, being concerned about big government maybe overstepping a little too much. Right now, 52% say that the government's doing too much. Just last year, it was flipped, where 54% said the government should be doing more. So within one year, you go from people believing the government should do more to realizing that they're starting to do a little much. And that is this roll-down domino effect of perception that I mentioned, where these types of things tend to come back. And that's where we start getting into the 
larger discussion revolving the Great Resignation era. So now I want to enlighten you a little bit on why so many people are quitting their jobs. And to some of you, this may be obvious, this may be understood without further explanation. But for everyone else, here it is. So the great resignation is the simple fact that, like I said, we've got 12 million people that have quit their jobs in the last three months of the summer. A lot of this is due to low pay, demeaning bosses, and just flat out rude customers. And all of this is coming full circle from issues that we're all having to deal with. Just the simple fact that Americans have become part of a mass exodus from the workforce. Michael Blackman and over um, BuzzFeed News is the one that stated that economists or economists are calling it the Great Resignation. So that's where it's coming from. To break down that 12 million in August, a record 4.3 million people left their jobs in that month alone. Two months prior, June and July. Roughly 4 million quit in each of the previous two months. So we do have some month explanation here. Most of these vacancies have come up in restaurants, retail stores, and your hotel sectors. Just the simple fact that most Americans are just feeling overworked or just flat sick of work or done with work and just over it. It's a pretty big problem that is just affecting everyone down the grapevine. And then you've got the fact that many frontline workers were forced during the pandemic to risk high exposure to COVID-19, work long hours, deal with intense overtime just to compensate for staff shortages. Some of it were people that couldn't work. Some of it were people that were unfortunately getting sick themselves. Some had family issues because of other work-related issues. And then you want to know why are we not seeing these issues until a year and a half after COVID? Well, unfortunately, you finally reached the time period where people are just sick of everything so where in 2020 going into 2021 you have all these workers that were forced to work in this avenue with no protection you know doesn't matter where you stand on the vaccines for this part of the conversation um, this is not a vax versus anti-vax statement but you had all these co-workers that were forced to work in this environment without access to a vaccine whether they wanted it or not told you had to do this to keep your job and the same people that you have pushed through all of this horrific and tragic pandemic you now took back and said oh we thank you for keeping us afloat you did it for a year and a half without a vaccine but now if you don't have one you're fired so 
people are just getting sick of the management practices. They're getting sick of uh, pretty much everything. And, and I'm not only talking about frontline as far as medical care and hospitals. I'm talking about frontline as facing customers. Uh, of course, the hospitals and, and medical facilities are um, dealing with that at a very high rate. But this is primarily speaking anybody that's having to deal with customers in any degree. And some of those people that quit are simply rebelling against poverty line wages. They're just tired of not making what they feel they're worth. And there's always that discussion between wage increases versus inflation and cost of goods and services. Um, but sometimes, you know, I feel the COLA does not, just the cost of living adjustments do not match adequately to the cost of our lifestyles. So here we are in this uh, great resignation period where for the first time in a very long time, workers actually have a little bit of leverage over their employers and how they work, if they work, and uh, what they're willing to to put themselves through. Now looking ahead, there is a little bit of a catch-22 because a lot of the job openings are obviously going to be in places where people have just left from. So unless you have a second skill set or took the time to go um, get a certification or get a degree or get training or learn a new skill, you may have to go back into the same industry that you left but you've got the bargaining chip in some cases um, creating bargaining chips in certain industries to come back to the same or similar job with potentially higher pay but in all in all as we talk about with perception changes uh, we're all learning that there may be more uh, essential workers per se than we ever thought existed or were possible. The sad part that makes this even worse is you've got unions, ones that are still operating, seizing on this worker shortage just to make themselves look good or show that they still have power, show that they still exist. And that's ultimately hurting the workers who are going to lose their job in the future which then hurts the unions because they have less people putting into the unions. Um, that's just a whole nother disaster. And I'm not going to read numbers here. Um, don't have time for all this data. But you basically have had people, um, politicians on both sides of the aisles, worried for some time that because of all these changes, the stuff that we almost have to do and we have to deal with whether we want to or not the common worker is going to start getting uh, higher ideas about self-worth and what they're willing to put up with and what they feel that they deserve and so when we had these you know incredible unemployment benefits that came to help with covid it pretty much made a lot of Americans realize they didn't have to work. And because of that, they've had time to sit at home and realize, hey, 
I'm not willing to put myself through this type of thing, this type of punishment, this type of belittling by management or coworkers or job style or industry level pay. So this entire COVID pandemic has pretty much made them reconsider their worth. So where we've seen wages become stagnant, shifts are long, hours are unpredictable, vacation time is limited, benefits are lousy, and you've got low quality management because of all of this. Um, there's just been a loss of respect and a loss of quality engagements by the American workforce. So in all reality, it's just a time manner to see how things are gonna lay out but one thing is for sure, no matter which way you look at it, definitely fair to say that the great resignation era may turn out to be a pretty legitimate thing. Okay, so let's move on to completely different topic now it's kind of a public and legislative type conversation today for the most part we're done talking about resignations and we're done talking about climate control but we still have some crazy laws to discuss that have some effect on the way we have had to make changes and deal with things and these are not necessarily COVID specific. In fact, two of them are definitely not COVID specific, technically all three. But it's the realization that the difficulties that have become a factor of life due to COVID are just magnified by some of these crazy laws that have just been on the books. So there's three that I want to mention. First one is civil asset forfeiture. Now this is more of a law enforcement and justice system issue here. Um, and this is where government can seize your house, your car, your cash, even when you've done nothing wrong. And unfortunately this, this happens a little bit more often than you would think. Now, Basically what happens in this case is if you have any property that is suspected to be used in any dealings with a crime or possibly acquired or obtained in an illegal manner, your property can be seized. Even if there's no charges filed yet, um, then you have to prove your property is clean. And I understand that in some situations you're kind of stuck on the legal side of things that this may be only way to get things but the problem with this isn't necessarily how property gets taken it's how long it takes to get it back once it's deemed that it wasn't an issue hey we had a reason to believe XYZ that's not the case we were wrong here's your stuff unfortunately that's not how it works um, probably would not be as big of a deal 
people would probably be more understanding if this stuff was able to just be given back once it was proved that it wasn't involved. And nowhere in this conversation am I talking about people that justifiably were involved in something and their stuff got taken for criminal reasons. This is applying to people who may have had a finger pointed at them and it appeared a certain way and they were able to prove later that they were clean and they are still having issues. In fact, the Institute for Justice, it's a nonprofit organization. They've actually won cases in federal court against cities like Albuquerque and Philadelphia for those law enforcement agencies being involved in some serious wrongdoing revolved around the civil asset forfeiture. Maine just joined in uh, several other unlisted states prohibiting this practice completely. Several other states have put restrictions on it. Um, but either way, the process um, tends to get abused in certain areas because, especially when it comes to cash and valuable property, unfortunately everybody wants a cut. So, that on top of everything else we're dealing with when people are getting mistaken and losing property, tends to put more stress on people than is needed. Now we got two other laws that are a little bit crazy and extremely old that it's going to make more sense how it directly affects what we're already dealing with from COVID and shipping restrictions and, and the like. The first one is the Merchant Marine Act of 1920. We're talking 99 years ago. This is commonly known as the Jones Act. States that any cargo transported between U.S. ports must be carried in ships that are built, owned, and operated by American citizens. Now, while this sounded good at the time, it is now making gasoline unnecessarily expensive today ships that are made in the United States cost three to four times more than any of those that are made by foreign competitors so the result of this old act is that there's higher costs for both consumers and businesses to acquire their product it especially hurts Places like Hawaii, Alaska, Guam, Puerto Rico that are not on the mainland. Hence why when you travel there, things are a lot more expensive. And it is not simply because they're tourist destinations. It's because their baseline, bottom line cost profile is higher. In fact, Forbes says that it's actually more logical for Puerto Rico to get its natural gas from Georgia or Louisiana but because there are no tankers that meet the Jones Act's requirements that island must import its gas from Russia or other foreign sources similar in effect New England gets its natural gas from Trinidad and Tobago and sometimes Siberia instead of getting it from the Gulf Coast because there's no tankers that qualify to meet the Jones Act. 
So our own act of trying to keep things American has actually screwed us from getting things American. We have a massive amount of oil refineries on both coasts, but yet it's so much less expensive to just import oil from overseas instead of transporting it from our own ports in the US because of these restrictions on shipments. But sadly, it's not even just an energy problem. In fact, a study concluded that annihilating this law altogether could add up to roughly $135 billion added to America's economic output because the baseline expense at all levels would drop. So while we're so worried about keeping American ships, we're being forced almost by value point to utilize and acquire products and goods that are not American. Doesn't really offset. And lined up with this, the third crazy law that I want to mention in this is the Passenger Vessel Services Act of 1886. So we're going even older. This one hits the tourism and entertainment industry a little bit. Technically, travel industry in general. This one says that only American-made, owned, and staffed ships can take passengers from one U.S. port to another. So, next time that you go plan a cruise to Alaska, even if you're starting in San Fran, pay attention, that cruise is going to stop in Canada somewhere first. To avoid making an illegal transport from San Francisco to Alaska because they're both U.S. owned properties. So going from San Fran directly to Alaska is technically illegal based on the Passenger Vessel Services Act of 1886. Why? Because the United States hasn't even made a large cruise ship since 1958. But yet we still have the law on the books. So again, even American tourist cruise ship liners are building and outsourcing all of their production to other countries such as Italy and then bringing them over so one law meant to use our own American ships has pretty much forced us to spend money in business elsewhere kind of shooting ourselves in the foot a little bit and that's just a simple fact that people tend to suck doesn't matter which way you look at it we're not always the brightest of people. We do stupid things. Speaking of why people suck. I'm getting close to the end of our time here, but here's a couple little idiotic moments. Kind of frustrate you a little bit. Recently in Philadelphia, Train passengers were reported simply holding up their phones to record a moment instead of calling 911 or even intervening. Homeless man jumped on the plane. Sorry, jumped on the ship. Train. Wow, I'm going to get it right here in a moment. A homeless man jumped on the train 
ended up raping a woman, harassing her, groping her for over 40 minutes. This was uh, end of October. The accused attacker, um, 35 year old man, boarded the train um, at, in the evening time in North Philly. There were over two dozen train stops. He allegedly ripped her pants off, assaulted her. A transit employee later boarded the train, roughly 40 minutes later, and called the cops, who arrived three minutes later. So, uh, Upper Darby Township um, was considering, unknown at the time of this recording, if any changes were made, but uh, potentially going to bring criminal charges against all the bystanders who simply recorded and attacked because they might as well be aiding and abetting to the crime. So, people suck. You're more worried about getting videos and views and reactions on social media than stepping in to help your neighbor. Another moment of people suck. Nicholas Cruz, 23-year-old male, back in 2018, murdered 14 students and three faculty members. This was at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. Finally, three years later, has said this incident brings him nightmares. Can't seem to live with himself. Um, initially stated he would only plead guilty if prosecutors agreed to a life sentence. Prosecutors refused, saying they're going to let a jury decide. Um, way too much death for them to make a deal on that. Um, there were $25 million in settlement money from the Broward County School District that was um, set to be divided between the families of those killed. Um, but uh, the reason it's an issue is because apparently uh, high school and responding law enforcement uh, supposedly failed to act on certain red flags and and obvious pointers involving crews um, things that they knew he was claiming or potentially would do and they failed to acknowledge it so there's a settlement there because you know what people suck and two little divots to end the day that have no purpose whatsoever other than being interesting slash odd we all know Kanye West right well you might as well just say yay because a Los Angeles judge approved his legal name change from Kanye West to Ye, Y-E, Ye. Claims it's for personal reasons. And on the other token of names, Nigel's. The British name of Nigel. Nigel's were everywhere. Hello, Nigel. Not a single Nigel on the registry for any birth in 2020. However, 15 babies uh, were blessed with the name of Lucifer. So I guess we're uh, going in the right direction here. So let me leave you with this thought as we close up. This is a quote from Maya Angelou. It was found on brainpickings.org. Quote, There is nothing quite so tragic as a young cynic 
because it means the person has gone from knowing nothing to believing nothing. And that cynicism is somewhere um, that we tend to find ourselves, especially amongst all these changes and amongst all these life differences that we have talked about and come across on casual routines. So keep your mind clear. Do your best. Keep your head up. Try your best to stay positive. The world's going to change. The world is changing and may not necessarily be the world itself, but the idiot people on it, because you know what? People suck. But until next time, stay safe, fam.